Because when we try to do something for everyone, we really don't know where we're targeting. But if we can narrow that down and say, okay, who is really our audience in terms of age group, gender, interests, uh, even geographic location, uh, what other books do they read? The more you know about them, the better your marketing will be. Welcome back to The Author Biz. I'm Stephen Campbell, and this is the show where we discuss meaningful ways to get better results with your author business. So today's topic is online marketing for busy authors. How's that for a hook, right? Well, that's actually the title of a new book by Fazia Burke, who after spending 20 years helping authors promote their work online, has finally written her own book, which she calls a step-by-step guide to help us navigate the dizzying range of online marketing options available to us now as authors. We cover a lot of ground in this interview, including things like author branding and the importance of identifying your reading audience, which I hope by now we all know that our reading audience is never everyone. Then we discuss a variety of ways in which you can and should engage with your readers, no matter where you are in your writing journey. As you'll hear during the interview, we keep our focus on actionable information for novelists, since I now know, following the survey, that most of you are novelists rather than nonfiction authors. Fozzie has worked with 2,000-plus authors over her career, and she brings a unique insight to online marketing for authors. Before we get to the interview, I want to give a shout-out to S.J. Jackson, one half of the writing duo using the pseudonym Lori Jean Grace. I had the somewhat uncomfortable opportunity of speaking with the two of them around a year or so ago. At that time, I launched a podcast called crimefiction.fm, and I sent out an email to the AuthorBiz email list saying, hey, if you've got a book that you think might be a good fit, let me know. I'd love to interview you. Well, anyway, I got an email from them. I got a copy of the book. I read it. And I realized it just wasn't a good fit for the crimefiction.fm audience, so I wrote back and let them know, assuming that would be the end of it. Well, it wasn't. They wrote back and asked me why, which was a really good question. The why, the really, the short answer was the book wasn't very good, but I didn't want to say that. Uh, They thought maybe it was the subject matter. No, I said it wasn't the subject matter. I just had some specific concerns with the book and didn't think it was a good fit for the audience. Well, they kept pushing, and uh, eventually we wound up having a Skype discussion. And I was sort of dreading this discussion because you'd never want to tell anyone. I've been in the really uncomfortable position of being told that my work sucked. And so I, I did not want to be in the position of telling someone that I just did, really didn't care for what they wrote. But we had a conversation, and they couldn't have been nicer. They couldn't have been more receptive to what I had to say. So I made some suggestions and introduced them to an editor that I thought would be a really good fit for them. They both thanked me, and I assumed that would be the end of it. A few months ago, I got an email with another thanks and to let me know that they'd completely rewritten the book and released it. I offered to have them on crimefiction.fm, but they said no, they weren't reaching out for anything other than to thank me again for taking the time to talk with them and to let me know that my help and advice was not only appreciated, but that it was taken to heart, which is, you know, it was wonderful. It was great to hear. Again, I assumed that that would be the end of it. 
This is a long, it's a long story to get around to what they've just done for me and for our show, which was to mention the author biz with a link to the website in both the first book and the second book in their Michelle Angelique Urban Action Adventure Thriller series as another thank you for taking the time to speak with them in the acknowledgments of the books. Well, I was absolutely blown away by that. It's, it, it's oddly thrilling for me to see my name in the acknowledgments of any books. It's happened a couple times now. Thank you, Sean Sweeney and Will Graham. But this was a first for the show. And I wanted to sincerely thank the duo writing as Lori Jean Grace for mentioning the author biz in their books as a way of helping to spread the word about the show. All right, one last thing. The next show is going to be just me sharing some of the interesting, at least for me, I found them interesting, results of the 2016 listener survey. And then we'll talk for a little bit about how that survey will influence the future direction of the show. All right, that's it for me and this overly long intro. Now let's get to Fazia Burke. Fazia Burke, welcome to The Author Biz. Thank you so much, Steve. I am so delighted to be here with you and, and to be talking with your readers. And I, I am delighted to talk with you because you have written a new book, and it's something that just based on the title, we're all going to be interested in, and that's Online Marketing for Busy Authors. Wow. Talk about hitting the sweet spot with your title. Yes, well, 20 years of being uh, with authors and seeing them be very busy helped me <laughs> come up with that title. All right. Could you give us a, a quick background a sketch of yourself before we get into things? Sure. So uh, my name is Fazia Burke. I'm the founder and president of a company called FSB Associates. We're an internet marketing firm, and we specialize in promoting books and authors on the web. That's sort of my day job. And then I've also written this book called Online Marketing for Busy Authors because um, I have had the amazing privilege of probably promoting over 2,000 authors in my 20-year career. And um, all of them have been incredible, but all of them have been incredibly busy. So um, <laughs> the idea was to take all of that experience, but really to write it from a perspective that not every author wants to be a marketer. And that's what the, the book is from. Now, I find it fascinating. I went to your website earlier uh, in, in doing research for this, and I got into the internet business in 1999 when no one was doing this stuff, and you started in 1995. I did. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. It is crazy. It was actually kind of insane, and, um, you know, I, 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 it was a complete leap of faith, and I just found the whole experience so fascinating and so exciting that I just felt like I had to follow the path, but it was crazy. But I think because you were there in the early days, I'm sure you also remember how exciting and collaborative oh my gosh, and yes. fun and um, uh, open-hearted. And, you know, I just, I found that time in, on the web, some of the best years of my career, because it was just so fun. Everybody was making things up. Everybody was sharing resources. And it was really a wonderful time. I, I am so glad that I did do um, you know, what I did when I did it. And every day there was something brand new that you could yes. get re-excited <laughs> and reinvigorated about, some new thing that you could use in your business to expand your reach a little bit. It was, it, those really were heady days. Now, you have, after, after having spent 20 years working with authors, helping them promote their books, uh, the tables are turned a little bit now. You have written a book 
And it, what's different from your perspective in your work for your clients who, have, who are both nonfiction and some very well-known fiction authors and, and now doing this for your own book? Oh, my God. Such a good question. It is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> good. We're all happy to hear that. <laughs> yes. Please know there is no there's nothing that an expert knows that, you know, other authors don't know. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of legwork. It's a lot of extra time. Um, you know, it's like uh, one of my clients had told me one time, it's like having a second part time job. And, you know, he didn't have time for that anyway. And it is so true. It's a lot of work. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've also realized that I love promoting my clients' books. I, you know, I pick the handpick the ones I work on because I feel passionate about them and I feel like I can do a good job. And, you know, I've read them and I'm excited about them. So when I promote them, I feel very confident. But then, you know, you change the tables and you're talking about yourself and it's kind of icky. It's, <laughs> it's of a like, completely different mindset, isn't it? Completely. It's sort of like, ooh, it's so hard to promote myself. So I hear that from authors all the time and I'm not sure I quite understood that until uh, sitting in, you know, in this chair and, and walking in those shoes. And, and another thing that you realize is how uh, exposed you feel. You know, you every, I, I mean, when... My clients, if they get a bad review, you know, they'll tell me and I, I completely sympathize, but I usually tell them something like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, the internet has people give bad reviews. You can't take it seriously. Don't respond. Don't worry. And now, you know, I'm on pins and needles as the reviews start coming in. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I have a lot more, I think, sympathy. I think everybody should walk in the author's shoes once in a while because it, it makes you realize that every little five-star review on Goodreads means so much. It's, it's been really, in a way, very exciting and in some ways very scary. So, um, And I think it's true no matter where you're at in, in your writing life. There are some very big-name authors uh, that I know of who get really excited when they get that next five-star review. It's not something that you really get over. It's still exhilarating when you get them, and it's crushing when you get the others. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a um, a lot of us in book publishing, we sort of joke about the fact that, you know, an author's mood almost depends on the <laughs> Amazon ranking for the day. <laughs> and it's so true. I, I, you know, my staff is laughing at me because I, I check the rankings and they laugh and they go, oh, it's because, you know, your, your mood is going to be dependent on that. So uh, I do, I think it's just, it's kind of um, humbling to be on this side of the table, for sure. It's exciting and interesting, but humbling as well. No doubt. Now, let, let's quickly define some terms because they, they are at times used interchangeably. The terms marketing and public relations. Can you explain uh, the difference between the two things? Yeah, absolutely. There's actually a third term we're going to throw in, which okay. is publicity. Okay. So public relations is really a lot of times used when it's more sort of a corporate thing, uh, mm -hmm. when, you know, uh, corporate communications or something like that, someone who's trying to uh, look at the big picture and sort of create a an image in the media. Publicity is really more sort of product launches and, and promoting some specific either event or book or uh, movie or something like that. Okay. And then marketing includes public relations, sometimes public, I mean, publicity, sometimes public relations, um, advertising, it can include uh, distribution, it can include a lot of different things. And I think when you're looking at online marketing, 
Um, you know, one of the things that was exciting when I started uh, working online was that I came out of publicity, and at that time, things were very siloed. You know, the publicity people did this, the sales people did mm -hmm. this, the marketing people did this. Today, the lines have all crossed, and so you could approach a blogger who's also a librarian, so they might order the book for their library, and suddenly that's library sales. And, you know, you could be working with someone who also runs a catalog, and that's catalog sales. And so, you know, the lines have sort of merged a little bit, and I think the marketing includes a little bit more big picture. Publicity is one aspect within marketing. Is marketing something, you, you mentioned that it's big picture. Is it something that we should think of as a long-term exercise in terms of, of planning, we may have a marketing plan over the course of a few years and publicity might be tied to different, uh, a different event like a, a book launch or, or do they just kind of run hand in glove? No, I think that's a really wonderful way of looking at it. Um, you know, you really, marketing is sort of, you know, we're all, all authors today are small business owners, whether mm -hmm. we like it or not. And so you can't really be a business if you're not going to be marketing. So marketing is something you need to do you know, as you said, basically forever, but you may have different strategies, you might have different campaigns, but it's a long-term investment and, and thinking. And then publicity could be an event or, you know, launch of a book or launch of a series or a new podcast or something like that. So I think that's a really wonderful way of looking at it. Okay. Now, online marketing for busy authors is coming out around mid-April, right? Like April 19th? Yes. Okay. Now, uh, how much prep work have you done for the launch? How long have you been doing publicity for the launch for this? 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Come on. <laughs> well, That's the research. reason I say that is because, you know, the idea of launch, it, it, um, I think I have a different sort of philosophy towards it. Okay. Um, I feel that you know, in this market where there's so much competition and there's so much, so many different books that we need to create relationships with people and almost convince them that you are the person that they want to read. You know, not just any book on this topic, your book. And so to develop those relationships, you know, I, I, in some ways it's, it takes 20 years mm -hmm. for me yeah, because the people who uh, have been working with me or my clients or my friends and my colleagues, people I've worked with that uh, when I worked at Wiley or Henry Holt or, you know, all of the other publishers that I have represented, uh, in some ways all of those relationships bring you to this point. And I think people who think they can show, out of, show up out of thin air and launch a product, mm -hmm. I, I just don't believe that that's a long-term strategy. I really think that it is something that you do on a longer basis. So developing relationships, ongoing, I think that's really important. Of course, to be serious, um, probably started seriously in December of last year mm -hmm. and uh, by attending conferences and, you know, upping my blogging game a little bit, upping my Facebook page. I started a Facebook author page then. Uh, you know, do the website for my in my name rather than in just uh, uh, my company name. So I would say overall, uh, you know, about six months. Okay, and your website, your personal website, by the way, is beautiful. It's very well oh, done. It's very you. colorful. It it really gets your message across. Now I did a Google search on you, and I found a number of guest posts at really high profile sites. So yeah. I think this gets back to what you're talking about earlier that the twenty years of relationship building, where you can contact someone with a really high profile site and say, "Hey, can I write a guest post for you?" 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think that really, I mean, of course, we do that for our clients. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when they hire us, they leverage those contacts that we have. But it is, you know, I think those high profile um, blog posts are really important. I know there's a lot of writers, some who might be your listeners, who really, you know, don't like the fact that we have to write for free. You know, they'd rather be paid for their writing. And I totally get that. And I understand the frustration. But we live in a world where, you know, the, the, uh, branding, our branding is very important. And these blog posts really make an impact on how people perceive our work and, you know, our reputation. So it is really important to do. Um, so I think some of that is just relationship building. Some of it is just our expertise. You know, these are, this is exactly what we do for our clients. Okay. Now I, I had intended to go very quickly into another direction, but you just mentioned branding. And I, I think it's a, an important thing to do more than just touch on. Uh, the majority of our listeners write novels. They're, they, they write fiction. Most don't write nonfiction. And yeah. I mean, some, some write a little of both, but I think most are, are novelists. It's easy for me to come up with a strategy in my mind for branding myself as an expert in book marketing or book publicity, uh, the yes. way you have done for 20 yes. years. Uh, how do we translate that kind of a process into writing fiction? And, and how do we use that to brand ourselves? I think that's a really good question. And I, it's something that I, a lot of the uh, novelists that I work with struggle, because obviously, if you're working, you know, as in an expert uh, arena, you can create uh, your brand a lot more easily. But I do think even novelists have to have a brand. And some of the best ones do have a brand, you yes. know. Uh, obviously, if I tell you Stephen King, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you don't have to have ever read his book to know that, uh, you know, what he writes and what his brand is. So I think even novelists, I think it takes a little bit of time to figure out what your, you know, who your audience is. And that's why the audience is so important for your branding. But, you know, there's a way that uh, novelists can do it as well. We just need to figure out a lot of times when I'm working with clients, you know, we have to do a lot more digging in terms of what they like, what they want to do. Another thing to remember is that whatever brand you're going to be building, you know, you want that to be a long-term thing. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're going to get bored with it, that's probably not the one to follow. You know, if you think something is cool and trendy, but it's really not your passion, it's probably not going to uh, stay. Um, one time I was working with a client who is a novelist and she was blogging and, um, uh, you know, she would blog these um, uh, interview other uh, authors about, you know, the writing process right. or, you know, the craft or something. And then she would write these wonderful little uh, essays about her family and her children. And, um, you know, one time I asked her, I said, well, which blog does better? You know, which one has more traffic? And she had never checked. So she checked the traffic on it, and it turned out that the blogs that she was writing, you know, out of sort of um, expectation, you know, this is what an author is supposed to write, mm -hmm. were not doing as well as the ones that she was writing that were closer to her heart. You know, being a mom, and, and, and then her books actually addressed those issues too. And we were able to find a way that she could be more harmonious with her blogging and her branding and her novels and her own interests. So... You, you need that brand to be pretty close to your heart and pretty you have to be excited about it and interested about it. So if you're writing about, you know, fantasy, then you want to be immersed in that community and you want to talk about, you know, how the new um, 
trailer for her Game of Thrones just came out. And, you know, just want to be immersing yourself in that particular category so that it starts building your brand. Brand is just really a reputation. You know, if you if people have to understand that your reputation is of someone who really understands fantasy and really likes middle grade novels and is always reviewing them and helping other people within that area, you start building a brand around that. So I think branding is more about sharing your expertise and your stories. And the expertise, obviously, in nonfiction, it's much easier, but every mm-hmm. author has an expertise. Well, and I mean, so uh, just being able to share it. That was a great example you gave of someone that writes fantasy, then that just blogging about a, a movie trailer and their, and their take on that, because people that are also interested in that would be interested in their books. It makes perfect sense. And it, it's one of the great mysteries of, of the writing life to me, how so many of us, when it comes time to write a blog, the first thing we think of is craft and Mm -hmm. writing blog posts about craft because we've seen other people do it. But our readers are, for the most part, not other writers. They're people that are interested in mysteries or fantasy or, you know, whatever it may be, uh, raising children. Uh, They're not necessarily interested in writing. And I'm fascinated by uh, that client of yours where you asked her to go and and see which ones were doing the best. And I I was hoping that was going to be the right answer, that it was was the the, the thing she was passionate about that that were getting the most traffic. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're looking at those analytics. You know, we, none of us have to work in, the, in a vacuum these days. You know, you can look at what kind of, for example, on my Facebook page, when I post uh, on my author page, mm-hmm. when I post, uh, you know, a tip on digital marketing, honestly speaking, it gets probably the lowest <laughs> engagement, which you think would be what people are looking for me from me. Um, and then there's this thing I do on Fridays where I post a picture of nature and just call it Friday inspiration and have a good weekend. And that gets the highest amount of engagement. (laughs) So you you just have to watch those numbers and see what is working for people and what they're looking for from you. Um, and, and adjust accordingly. Uh, You know, I don't, I haven't stopped posting things about social media or online marketing, but I, I'm a little bit more understanding that Facebook is not the place where people are maybe at that moment looking for that. You know, they may be looking for inspiration or uh, something else. So just kind of keep an eye on those numbers, on that data. That can be really helpful. And you, you mentioned the word analytics. And, and in my own mind, when I think analytics, I always think Google Analytics. And I know for some people listening, uh, they will find Google Analytics to be overly confusing. I find yes. it overly confusing, and I've been using it for over a decade. Yes. And uh, But there's an easy way to use it. Um, it it's, it's not that hard to put the code in your website and have it begin collecting statistics and just take the basic statistics. You get a lot of great information from it. Yeah, you absolutely do. And honestly, I think, you know, unless you want to be an expert in marketing, Google Analytics can be overwhelming. And it's, you know, it's a little overkill for most people. Mm -hmm. I think there's a few things that you want to take a look at and make sure that you're keeping an eye on. And, you know, that's how much traffic are you getting to your website, obviously. But also, what's your bounce rate? That's a really important indicator of whether you're keeping people engaged on your site or not. And what is Uh, bounce rate? Bounce rate means how quickly someone comes to your website and leaves. So, you know, if your bounce rate uh, is 80%, you're doing really badly. That means that you're bringing in a lot of people to your website and they're thinking they're on the wrong page, they're in the wrong place. This happens a lot when people invest in SEO. 
because I'm not a big fan of uh, manipulating SEO too much, which is search engine optimization, just because it sort of tricks people into coming to your website. And when I've seen people do that, uh, their bounce rates tends to be very high because people come to the site and go, oh, mm-hmm. this is not where I needed to be or this is not what I was planning to be. So um, you want to look at that number for sure because that will impact how you're bringing people to the tra- you know, to your site, not just, um, I mean, how much people are staying. And then the other thing to look at is uh, referral traffic because you want to see where people are finding you and coming to your website. Um, so that's where, you know, sometimes guest blogging is really important. Sometimes my clients will say, you know, should I do guest blogging for this site or this site because I only have time to do one? And we look at the Google Analytics to see which ones is delivering traffic to my client's site rather than just, you know, this is a cool site, mm-hmm. let's do this one. Um, not all sites and not all traffic is created equal. So it's important to look at a few different things. I've got... Um, some information on it in my book. And it's not overkill. It's really kind of, you know, here's a few different things to keep an eye on and and check. Uh, And I would say that's probably all the, you know, all people need to look at. And I think for most people, you're you're right. It's just it's just those basics. But like everything to do with the the business of writing, you need to understand the basics. One quick uh, story about analytics, actually two. One is I have a friend who's an author and unfortunately for her, her author name uh, is also the name of a well-known adult entertainment star. Okay. And so I was looking at her analytics, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you get a lot of traffic. And then I looked at the bounce rate, and I had to work my way down to figure it out. And uh, I imagine how surprised those poor people are when they're looking for one thing and they're finding uh, novels. Or vice versa, yes. people looking yes. for her and finding the, the other one. So, but the yes. other the other thing is, and and I find this interesting from referral data, and it happens to me all the time where I'll see traffic coming from a site that I don't know, and I'll, I'll go and look, and someone said something nice about me, and it gives you the opportunity to go and thank someone and create a relationship with someone that you don't know. Absolutely. I mean, that's for sure. You know, that's a wonderful way of doing it. Also, you know, the referral traffic will show you how much traffic you're getting from your different social media uh, outlets as well. So if you're spending a lot of time on, um, you know, Facebook, but you're actually getting more referral traffic from Twitter, you would, I would adjust your strategy and say, you know, let's go where your audience is and let's go where you're getting the traffic. So a few different things. Top content is really important. Average time on site, that's another good criteria. So I would say there's about six or seven things that you want to take a look at and, you know, just keep an eye on it. You don't have to um, change everything that you're doing, but every three months or so, really look at it, see if there's a little adjustment that you can make that would improve things for you. All right. When we were talking about your client that was blogging, uh, you were talking about uh, her, I think it was a her, understanding her readers. And that's a, a chapter of your book. I love this. I love this chapter. Know thy reader. It's <laughs> something that we all intuitively understand that we need to do. Many of us don't understand how to do it. So what advice would you have for us to, to better know our readers, especially as novelists? Yeah, absolutely. So there's lots of times when I'm talking to people and they will say something like, um, you know, my readers are women. 
And I tell them that's just not enough. That's half the planet. So not right. Or, or I've had uh, times where people have said, um, my audience is people who have a job <laughs> or people who have families, you know, something very broad. And mm-hmm. um, the the reason I always say to people that that's just too broad or, or sometimes people will say to me, um, you know, my audience is everyone. And uh, my return usually to them is there is no everyone.com. We have to narrow that way down. Um, I, the reason it's so important and why there's a whole chapter on it is because when we can identify our readers in more, um, more sort of narrow sense rather than the more broad sense, we have a much better shot of having a successful marketing campaign. Because when we try to do something for everyone, we really don't know where we're targeting. But if we can narrow that down and say, okay, who is really our audience in terms of age group, gender, interests, uh, even geographic location, uh, what other books do they read? The more you know about them, the better your marketing will be. So that's why it's so important that we uh, take a, a really close look at it. Sometimes people will say to me, I just want to reach mommy bloggers. And I have to tell them, okay, there are no mommy bloggers. There are mommy bloggers who have toddlers and there are mommy bloggers who have teenagers. Totally different audience. So the more narrow you are, the better. Uh, and so what I do in the book is actually give a, a questionnaire where people can actually uh, answer some questions and and think a little bit about it. And, uh, you know, sometimes you don't know exactly who your readers are, but you probably know more than you think you do. So just being able to answer those questions and think about it and figure out just the age group and, you know, does it matter where they live or is it irrelevant? Does it matter what kind of books and magazines and, um, you know, authors that they read? Do they watch certain TV shows? Do they watch certain movies? Because all of that kind of put together will help you come up with what hashtags to use, you know, what communications to have with the, uh, with the audience, what they're looking for, how you can serve them best. So um, I think those are things. One of the examples that I, um, <laughs> it's going to sound funny, but I'm going to tell you about a couple of ideas that authors had. Okay. One uh, author I had uh, one time, his idea was that he wanted to tell people about his book with a megaphone on top of the Apple Store in Greenwich Village in New York City. And that was his idea. That's a big, bold statement. (laughs) It was was a bold statement. And, uh, you know, both the publisher and I had to talk him off of (laughs) Talk him off the top of the building, so to speak. Off of the Apple Store building, yes, and say, okay, that's probably, what's the purpose? And, you know, he thought he'd get some attention for it. But Mm -hmm. his book was a serious book, and the kind of attention he would get was probably not going to translate to those sales. And so he kind of got that. Another author of mine who actually wrote a novel, and he thought that one of the ways that he could get um, people to read his books is if he had hired hot girls, not kidding, mm-hmm. to hand out flyers on Park Avenue to New York City people, just random people, hot girls. And, you know, we had to talk him out of that as well. So, I mean, just just to use this as an example, for that person in his own mind, his reader was a man in New York City who was willing to have hot girls walk up to him and hand him things. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, his, that's his ideal reader. <laughs> that's right. And like, believe it or not, it wasn't exactly for the novel because you'd want the novel to have a much wider audience than, 
<laughs> no, but, oh. but you know, I think the, the reason that's important is that if you just sh- shifted your thinking a little bit and thought, okay, if someone had written a graphic novel, maybe about superheroes, and they wanted to hand out flyers with hot girls or not at Comic-Con, mm-hmm. that's a completely different story. And that would totally work. So it's a matter of understanding your readers because if you understand your readers, your marketing will actually match their needs rather than just coming up with random ideas and hoping that one of them will, you know, maybe reach five of your readers instead of all of your readers. Okay. Now, for those of us who are, are not particularly creative out there and, and we're thinking about this, uh, it, let's, let's say we narrow it down and we have our target reader. We understand who our reader is. How do we use that information to decide how to market or to decide on which publicity venues to spend money with? I, I, you know, that's exact. I mean, that's the benefit of doing this work is that if, you know, for example, my audience is probably not going to be on Instagram. Mm hmm. Just because it's 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 written for an uh, for an older author who's been dragging their marketing feet and probably is not thrilled with this whole social media thing that they have to do, that's the opposite of the Instagram audience, you know. So you need to make sure that you understand your audience, and that way you can promote your book where your audience is instead of just trying to figure out what to do. A lot of my clients, you know, whether it's their agent or their publisher or their other friends. Every day they say, oh, you should be doing this. You should be, you know, podcasting and you should have Mm -hmm. a video series and you should be on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, uh, Instagram. You know, you should be doing Periscope. You should be doing. There's so much incoming information to authors and I think it can feel very overwhelming. I know it does to me. And to me. Yes. (laughs) When I tell them, okay, let's let's look this, let's look at your audience and look at the demographic of each of these at uh, each of these uh, you know uh, social media avenues and match them up. So if the demographic of your novel or your book is um, you know people in their forties and fifties, then Facebook might be a better place for you than Instagram. So you just you know it makes a lo- it makes. Uh, decisions about what to do a lot easier. Same thing with interest level, as we talked about with the fantasy author that we, you know, we made up. Um, if you know if that's your audience and they're interested in, let's say, Game of Thrones, and that's the, you know, it's coming up in April. I'm a big fan myself. This is the time to really gear up your activity, be in those uh, social circles, use those hashtags, talk to people, get them excited. Because they, if they like what you have to say, they might check out your website. They might check out your books. So it's not um, a hard sell, but it makes buying easier when you are out there in the community that will eventually want to buy your book. What you're describing sounds a lot like engaging with potential readers. Is that the right term to use? Engage, engaging yes. in, in engagement. How important is that engagement in, in today's world of publishing? Oh, it's 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 everything. You know, it's 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 so true for uh, I mean, it's it goes back to, you know, it took me 20 years to market this book. It takes a long time to build that engagement with readers and with colleagues and with friends and and all of those kinds of things. A formula I use, Steve, with my clients that might be helpful is when I look at online marketing, 
I think of it as in almost three phases. There's the design phase where you want to make sure that you are uh, stepping out into the world in the best design possible. You want your website to look professional. You want your social assets to look professional. You want all of that to have a cohesive brand and a brand identity. But you definitely want to make sure that you look professional. We do judge a book by its cover. And so if your website looks like it's not a professional, then people judge that your writing is maybe not as good either. So it's really important to kind of look at that from a critical point of view and make Mm -hmm. sure that, you know, you've got that covered. The second element on top of that is engagement, which is building relationships with people through blogs and web, you know, social media and engagement. And that engagement takes sometimes can take as much as two years to build uh, when you can really start to see the uh, the traction that you've built could be, you know, could be a long period. And then on top of that is you build visibility, which is that's when you go out into, um, you know, online speaking to blogs and other websites and try to uh, build your visibility so more people know you. And, you know, a lot of times people will find you on a website. For example, when I blogged on uh, Fast Company, that was such an honor. I, such a, it, I've been, you know, reading it and following it for so long. I was so delighted that they let me guest blog for them. But then what happened was people went to my website and they went to my social assets and and that's how their relationship with me started. You know, it started with the visibility. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't have, if I hadn't done my work on the website and hadn't have uh, an engagement on my social media, I wouldn't have kept them. You know, they might have checked me out and then bounced off. But I think this way I, I get to keep them. And I, th- I think we could describe all three of these building blocks that, that you're describing as fundamental as- aspects of building your business. That's exactly right. And it's an ongoing investment. It's an ongoing uh, process. You know, this is not something you do. It's not a launch. It's just how you need to be, how you need to be an author these days. Okay. Now, you, you've outlined these, these three steps in, in really broad terms. Let's uh, – I'm not sure what the right term is, but let's, let's focus in a little bit on two different types of authors. The first one, let's say uh, someone has written a book – it's going to be traditionally published, and it's coming out in six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they let, – let's assume they have a website, and let's assume they have a, a Facebook author page. Mm-hmm. Uh, what should they be doing? What, what are the most important things that they should spend their time doing over the course of the next six months leading up to the launch from a, a fundamental standpoint? Yeah, they should spend a lot of time being very generous. Uh, okay. <laughs> because this is the time when they can, you know, six months before they need anything from anybody, they need to build that that sort of, you know, uh, uh, generosity bank almost. And so it's important if they already have all of the assets in place to, you know, to support other authors within that, you know, once you know your readers, so you want to stay within your, your, within your category, within your brand, but, you know, support other authors, retweet other people, uh, look for other uh, things that uh, people are doing, comment on it. A lot of that uh, part is part of the engagement, but then when it comes down to when you need their help, they're going to be much more inclined to be able to help you. So that's one part. That's mm-hmm. part of the engagement part, and you certainly want to keep doing that and just being more visible. Don't think that you can be 
completely silent, working on your novel or your book, and then out of thin air show up and then expect that everybody's going to support you. And, and let's, let's, define it, it, let's define exactly what we're talking about here a little bit because I, I think some people are out there thinking that if I'm on Facebook all day long and clicking like buttons, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm being generous. That, is that what we're talking about? Well, that can be some of it. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, you want to do a little bit more than that. I would say, you know, a lot of authors look at uh, Goodreads and Mm -hmm. they like getting their books read or put in the pile of to be read. Uh, You certainly can do, uh, you know, tweet their uh, content. That's a lot more generous than just liking something. Uh, You can put something on their Facebook page or your own Facebook page that uh, helps other authors, but also shows them that you're, you know, paying attention to their work. You know, all of us are doing so much work in terms of producing content. Mm-hmm. We're doing, uh, whether it's social media posts or blogs or videos or, so all of us need other people's help to spread the word. So anything you can do to help other people, they will remember and will probably come back and help you. Obviously, pre-ordering other people's books is a really good idea. You know, posting a photo with someone and saying, I just got my copy, things looks great. Mm-hmm. These kinds of things are a little bit more... Um, well, people will pay more attention to than just hitting like on everything because, you know, when you get to 20, 30, 40 likes, people are not looking at every single right. person who's liking it. Right. And so, I, I, let me share a quick uh, story that I heard at a writer's conference sure. a little while ago. It was from an aspiring writer who pointed across the room at one of the, the big star celebrity author speakers. Yeah. And she said, I met her at this other conference in the library. I was so nervous I couldn't even speak. And she looked at me and said, you're so-and-so. You've left several comments on my blog. Bravo. <laughs> and so if she, when, it, when it's time for her book to come out, if she wants to guest post on that big celebrity author's blog, it'll be fairly easy for that author to say, yes, I'd love to have you do that. That's exactly right. Yes, that's exactly right. You have to set those, you know, a lot of times people get very frustrated because a month before the book is coming out, they sort of go, okay, now everybody needs to help me out. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't work that way. You know, you've got to have a pretty, um, uh, you've got to have those relationships pretty much built up to uh, to leverage them at that time. So this is a good time to really do that part. You know, up your game too. You want to start, uh, you know, blogging more often, start showing up in different places, start going to more conferences. Uh, so, you know, writers groups, just become more visible. Uh, again, as I said, you can't come out of thin air a month before publication and expect that everything's going to go smoothly. So I would say if you already are have all of your assets in place, and you feel like your website is in the best shape possible, your social assets are in the best place possible, you have a very good idea of your readers, those are all things that you sh- really should be doing in that period. Then the, the, it's, the, it's full-on engagement time. Engage with other people, but also uh, you know, be generous with other people and post on other websites. Generosity also could be you know, writing a blog post for someone else's blog that maybe not doesn't get as much traffic. Um, but you know, that's part of being generous as well. So there's a lot of different things that you can do, but definitely try to be out there more and helping people. That is really, really great advice. All right, now let's take uh, a second group of authors. Let's say this group of authors has been publishing for a while, either indie publishing or traditional publishing. They have a small catalog of books, say they've got five or six books out there. 
Um, they just have a normal publication schedule, but they're looking at what they're doing and they're thinking to themselves, I really need to up my game. What should they be doing? Well, I think, you know, uh, what I tell clients uh, is that we need to sort of assess the whole situation. You know, you, when a lot of times people say, I want to take things to the next level. I love that phrase. It means so little to me. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds so good, but it's sort of like marketing speak for, you know, nothing. So what we need to look at is what does that mean, taking something to the next level? You know, are we, uh, is your website as it needs to be? Are your digital assets as it needs to be? Do you need to increase engagement? The most important asset for this particular author or any author actually, but this particular author in particular, is that they need to have a really good mailing list. So the most important thing I would say is that where are you with building your mailing list? Because if you're going to be a career author and you're going to have multiple books, you need to be able to tell people you have more books coming out, you have no more products coming out, maybe you have a short ebook coming out, maybe you've written a short blog that you want people to know about. Um, so it's really important for them to look at all of those and increase the numbers on everything. If everything is is in place in terms of you know the the Facebook and the Twitter feed and uh, they're uh, you know they're doing all of that element, then I think the increasing uh, has to be in the engagement level, and also we need to then at that point look back at um, not just the analytics of your website but also insights on. Facebook and Twitter. And so it's not just take the, you know, take it to the next level. It really is stepping back, looking at what's working, doubling down on what's working and ditching what's not working. Fazia, this has been absolutely wonderful. This is, it's been a treat for me to chat with you and to learn from you. Where can people pre-order your book? Oh, everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere fine books are sold. <laughs> well, I, you know, obviously they can pre-order them online on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. They're also going to be available on, in, uh, you know, bookstores on April 19th. And I would be delighted if anybody has any questions. They can, you know, join me on any of my social feeds and ask me questions. This is, I love what I do. This is what I've dedicated my entire career to. And I love helping authors. And so this interview has been so much fun. And I'm so grateful for your attention and your time. And I hope that your listeners find uh, good information. Now, before we leave, uh, you have a couple websites I'd like to point people to. And I will, I will list them in the show notes as, as well as some of the other things that we've mentioned here. But why don't you give them and, and give the spelling because you're, you're, the spelling of your name is, is not something that just would be natural for someone like me, for example. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I would say that's probably true. So you can look up uh, my uh, website, which is uh, fauziaburke.com, which is F as in Frank, A-U-Z as in zebra, I-A, Burke, B-U-R-K-E.com. Uh, or my company website, which is fsbassociates.com. That's uh, F as in Frank, S as in uh, Sam, B as in boy, associates.com. Um, I know neither one of them is uh, easy online, <laughs> uh, easy to say on radio, sorry, Edmund. Uh, but it's FauziaBurke.com and FSBassociates.com. And the book is Online Marketing for Busy Authors. It's coming out April 19th. Fazia, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Steve. Really a delight. Thank you very much for your time.